tonight's our prayer week at the church next door, and my in-laws are in town from Ohio, so we decided to devote the prayer time tonight to the Cleveland Browns and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, they need all the help that, that, that they can get. They're having a rough year, but, but we're going to keep rooting for them, right, guys? No. <laughs> we're actually going to be in John 15 before you leave if you didn't want to pray for the Browns or the Buckeyes. John 15, Jesus gave us another condition for effective prayer. If you've been with us for a number of weeks, you know on these prayer weeks, we've been looking at different passages about prayer, and we've seen that there are a number of conditions for a fruitful, meaningful prayer life, right? We've, we've learned that we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We've learned that we need to pray in faith. Uh, we've learned that it doesn't make sense to pray if we're harboring unforgiveness against another person or organization. Uh, we've also learned the importance of praying in the will of God. Tonight, we're going to start out in John chapter 15, verse 7, where Jesus gives us another condition for a powerful prayer life. He says two things. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Did you catch the two conditions? If you abide in me and my words remain in you. Now that word abide, uh, we don't use that a lot these days. It basically means to remain in, to stay put, to dwell in close connection with someone. And Jesus makes it evident in this passage that it's possible to be experiencing union with Christ and that we're connected with him, but to be missing out on communion with him or that close relationship. It's possible to be a branch on the vine, but still not be abiding in Jesus. I say that because in John 15, four and five, Jesus says, he had already said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the idea is it's possible to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be a branch on that vine, and yet be at a point in our lives where we're not really abiding in him. That life, for a number of reasons, is not flowing into our branch, and we're not producing fruit. So what we want to wrestle with tonight is if I am a branch, if I've trusted in Jesus, how do I abide in him? How do I allow that life that he wants to flow through me, through the Holy Spirit and his power to flow out of me. And I thought about it in terms of marriage. How many of you are married in here? There's a, a bunch of you. It's an appropriate metaphor because in Ephesians 5, Paul talked about Christ's love for the church being compared to a marriage. And I thought about my own marriage. You know, there's a difference between being married and enjoying all that intimacy and oneness in marriage that God wants us to experience in our marriage, right? 
We have uh, two little kids right now that we're so thankful for. Uh, Jaden's five and Evan is two. And I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. That's a whole new season of marriage. Me and Carolyn have been married 13 years, and we've discovered that with having those little blessings around, if we're going to stay connected in our marriage relationship the way we were early on, it takes more intentionality, if I'm honest. And sometimes we get it, uh, sometimes we don't. But as I've thought about it, I've thought there are three components to keeping that, that marriage relationship experiencing all the oneness that God wants. And I think they correlate to our relationship with God and Jesus. And the first two are to talk to each other and to listen to each other. And what I've discovered as we've had kids and as life's gotten more busy with soccer and school and, and church planting and you name it, a lot of good things, it's easy to get to the end of the day once the kids are in bed and sit down and, and uh, turn on the sing-off right away, you know, which we love. We love the sing-off, and I, I'm not one of those guys that's gotten rid of my TV because I enjoy TV. We enjoy that show, but what we've found is sometimes it's too easy to make that the first thing that happens, and by the time the sing-off is over, guess what? Scotty's off to bed, and we've gone the bulk of a, a day without any meaningful connection. So that talking to each other, even if it's 15 minutes a day with nothing on, just sitting down and, and having a heart-to-heart. -heart. Last night, Carolyn came in before I went to bed, and we just talked for 10 minutes, and it was, it was special. Uh, the other thing is listening, right? You can, you can have one person in a relationship talking, but if the other person isn't actively listening, it doesn't work. And I'll give you an example from my own uh, failures in that regard. Carolyn... Do you, you probably remember this. It was about four years ago. I forget what I was doing. I may have been watching television. And she said something, and it was, this is a woman-sized paragraph, okay? <laughs> and I say that lovingly. Uh, we know there's a difference between woman-sized paragraphs and men-sized paragraphs. And I was doing something else, and that night I made a poor choice. I didn't hear but like two words of what she had said, but I decided that I was going to try to guess what she had said, because she had said, you didn't hear that, did you? And I was like, well, you said, da 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 and I made my own woman-sized paragraph that had absolutely nothing to do with what she had said. And uh, I was in trouble. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Uh, you need to talk and you need to listen. I want to talk about that in our spiritual lives. I want to ask us first that talking obviously is that that time of prayer with God where we're sharing with him what's on our heart how we feel about him and if you're like me the prayer life is the toughest area of your spiritual walk to keep consistent I'll admit that that is the hardest to keep consistent for me and I thought what's one thing that's helped me I'm not there, I'm on this journey, but what's one thing that I could share tonight that's helped me with that talking with God to keep that connection going? And I wanna throw out just one idea. Do we have some background music, Jason? It's kinda cool, I feel like I'm in a movie and like there's a soundtrack. It'd make things so much more dramatic up here, wouldn't it, if we had some soundtrack behind the preaching? <laughs> one thing that's helped me, 
I don't know if, how you guys are with your alarm clocks in the morning. If you set them right when you need to be out of bed or you set them 10 minutes after you need to be out of bed. But what I've been working on that's helped me just set my day in focus is if I can set that alarm clock at least 10 minutes before I have to get up, turn it off and just go crawl back in there for 10 minutes and think through what's going on in my day to day. Who am I gonna be meeting with? What are we gonna be talking about? What are we gonna be working on? And just taking those things before I even get out of bed to stay right to God and saying, God, I wanna start this day focused on you. I wanna start this day where I need to be. It makes a world of difference. So I don't know where you're at in that. That's one idea that's helped me, but you gotta talk to God and you gotta listen to God. And I so hope, you've heard this before, that we have a a group here, a gathering of Christians that doesn't crack their Bible open for the first time on Sunday nights. A group of Christians that doesn't feel like they have to come to a building like this to hear a guy with a microphone like this tell them what the Word of God says. Because you don't. I'm not your priest. You've got a priest named Jesus Christ who has a relationship with the Father, and you can go to him. He's given you a Holy Spirit to help you understand his Word. And and I hope you're doing that every day. I hope you have that meaningful time. And, And some of you may be thinking, wow, that part of my walk has been tough too. And And I want to throw out one idea to you. This is only an idea. This is not the gospel. But I want to tell you something that's really encouraged me in my own reading of the Word. Many of you have heard of Bibles that have daily readings. You know, they have 365 readings divided up in 15-minute sections throughout the year. I've got a Bible that has those, but it goes a step further. It's called the One-Year Chronological Bible. I know Christmas is coming up soon and you may be thinking about a present. If you're looking for a new way to go through the Bible, the chronological Bible has the entire Bible in there, but it, it, it orders the events in the way that they actually occurred. So when you get in there, you'll read Genesis 1 through 11 up to the Tower of Babel, and then you'll get to Job because, many, as many of you know, Job happened early in history. So you read Job, and then you start in on Abraham, And then when you get in those historical books, you know, many of them repeat the same accounts. They'll put those accounts side by side so you can get a sense of the flow. And they'll even insert those prophetic books into the timeline of the history book so you know when those prophets ministered. And you get to the New Testament, you know, there's four gospels. It puts all the parallel accounts side by side so that you read through the Gospels all together. You get to the book of Acts, which you know talks about the early disciples and apostles. It sticks Paul's letters and the other letters in the history of Acts where he would have written them uh, so you can get a sense of what was going on in the church and when. And then you get into Revelation, of course. That has been so encouraging to me, and right now it's a particularly exciting time of the year because every year, September 28th, is when we get to Jesus being born. And doing that year after year, it's been about five years now, it's become a favorite time of year for me because I feel like in some small way, by the time you've been in the Old Testament for nine months, you, you're kind of right there with the Jewish people waiting for the Messiah. And then September 28th comes, and, 
And it's just, I know that sounds silly, but whatever it takes, try something new. Get out of your mold if you're not reading the Bible. And then here's the last one. You gotta talk, you gotta listen, and you gotta care enough to do what the other person wants you to do. And that's maybe the most challenging. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And I thought about this in my marriage. We have fun because, and I think part of the reason we're able to have fun is I'm a husband who believes in helping my wife at home when I can, especially having two little ones at home. I believe I should be jumping in there and helping any way I can, but we have some fun with that. A couple weeks ago, Becky, our sister-in-law, was over, and uh, she was going in the kitchen And she had asked me, Scott, how do you turn on your dishwasher? And I said, uh, flowers and soft music. (laughs) Now, I was only able to say that because I'm a husband who believes. I wash the dishes uh, and I help Carolyn out from time to time. Uh, But there was one time about two or three weeks ago where for seven or eight days straight, Carolyn had done like eight loads of laundry And she left me one little pile of 15, like, shirts and pants that she had told me, Scott, could you please hang those up? And I said, I will. And I said, I will for seven days. And after seven days, she asked me, like, what does I will mean? (laughs) And it started to really bother her because I kept telling her I would, but I, I didn't get to it. And finally, I did. And I thought, how often are we like that in our relationship with Jesus or with God? God, I will. I know you're calling me to get rid of this in my life. I know you're calling me to do this. I will. But what does Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So that's the first part, abiding in him, talking to him, listening to him, and caring enough about what he wants to actually do it. Now, here's the second part. You remember what he said in 15.7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you. My words abide in you. This goes into that second one of listening a little more. And I thought about something that went on at our house today. Carolyn put this pork loin in the crock pot last night around midnight. And she put this chili and cumin and oregano and probably about nine other spices in there. And all night long, that cooked, and the, the smell of that uh, just filled the house. And as I was preparing the message, I started thinking about that, about those seasonings. And I'm going to explain the metaphor in a second, but I want you to imagine, contrast that picture I just painted of that pork loin in the crock pot with all those seasonings just becoming a part of it with someone grabbing a a raw hunk of pork loin, setting it on the table and just shaking some of those seasonings on there and saying, here you go. You know, just just pouring them on there. Who wants to eat that? Anybody? No, but I, I thought about it like this. If all we do is a flyby in God's word, we just buzz over it once a week or even once a day, just a quick that we don't even carry with us. Isn't it kind of like we're that raw pork loin and, and his word is the seasonings that we're talking about, but they're just sort of sitting on top of a nasty raw pork loin that you could blow that seasoning right off. But what if instead we were like that pork loin in that crock pot? And those seasonings are the word of God. And we're, we're spending meaningful time. I mean, that thing was in there 10, 16 hours. And those seasonings are just 
weaving their way right into the heart of that meat. And actually, the, the juices of that meat are flowing out, and they're combining with that seasoning. And over time, it's, it's all sort of becoming one. You can't separate the seasonings from the meat, and the smell is so wonderful. What's the metaphor I'm going at here? The crock pot is hot, right? It wouldn't be fun to be in a crock pot. And I think sometimes life is not fun to be in. Life is like a crock pot and, and trials come. And as we go through those trials, they bring out emotions, those, those juices inside of us, those dreams, those hopes, those fears. And if we're immersed in the word during those seasons in a meaningful way, the word begins to blend into who we are. It addresses those fears. It shapes those dreams. And it begins to create this wonderful aroma that people around us want. The word begins to become more than a surface level seasoning. I mean, it becomes part of who we are. And you can't separate it. And I thought, what, what's that been like in our lives? And you can probably think of a couple examples in your own. I've always believed that God provides for his people. I've known Matthew 6 from the, from the earliest ages, because I grew up in Sunday school. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and he'll add all these things unto you. I believe that up here. But what I want to tell you was there are two seasons in my life where that has gone from surface-level seasoning to becoming part of the fabric of who I am. And one of them was when we moved to Chicago from Ohio. Uh, we got married young, and we moved to Chicago. All we knew is I was going to Bible college, and we had an apartment. Neither of us had found jobs. We knew God would take care of us. And while we were there, I'll never forget one story where our car had a flat tire. And we were driving around on a spare tire for a long time because we couldn't afford to get that tire that we needed. And uh, we were getting near the end of the month, and we didn't have enough money to get that tire. We didn't even have enough money for groceries. And two things happened that have forever cemented into us the reality of God's provision that took it from up here to part of our lives. One, we came home one day to find our table covered with groceries, covered with groceries. And I don't know if it was our landlord or another neighbor or God himself just decided to plop them there. But somehow, some way, God provided the groceries we needed. And then Saturday morning, early, we heard a thump on the door and we opened that door and there was the exact tire we needed for our car laying there leaning against the door of the sign saying, hey, we paid for this to be put on. Go ahead and take it to such and such a place. And what made that whole deal so special, we had faced a decision just days before, do we give at church or not? And God said, trust me. And we gave at church and, and he came through. It, it went from surface level seasoning to something in here. It happened again this year. Many of you know, we worked at the Heights Church and felt God tugging us to step out of the nest. Well, one of the silly little things I worried about last June when we stepped out of there, I knew our house needed painted. We'd been in our house 10 years, and getting a house painted is expensive. It's thousands of dollars. We had cracks in that house that needed caulked and everything, and I had no idea how we were going to afford doing that in this new step of ministry. I didn't think about it all the time, but I was like, I don't know if this is going to happen. Well... 
few months ago, we did Brandon and Natalie's wedding, and Brandon said, hey, how about I help you with a couple things around the house? What do you need done? Let me help you fill in those cracks, or and he helped, you, I helped us fix a door at the house. So the cracks were filled, and then a couple months later, just, just like about three weeks ago, we were at another wedding, and we're sitting there, and there's a guy I know who owns a, a remodeling business, just a renovation business. And I walk up to him and said, hey, how's your business going? And he said, good. You need your house painted? <laughs> he had never been to our house. He had no way of knowing that our house needed painting other than God telling him that. Not audibly, but for him to ask that. And I said, sure, do we go to Home Depot and I'll, I'll buy the paint or whatever? And he said, no, we'll buy the paint too. So last week, that took place. So you... I'm telling you, through the, the crockpot of life, following God in this adventure that's sometimes fun and sometimes scary, we've learned in a much deeper way God provides for his children. Last but not least, I thought about the pig that uh, gave his life to be in that crockpot. <laughs> and I was thankful for that pig. Uh, I told my father-in-law today, it's great to live under the new covenant, isn't it? We were sitting there eating that pork. And it was delicious. And I thought about us. It's, it's no fun being in the crock pot. It's no fun going through those trials. But Jesus told us to follow his example. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And I thought, you know what? Being in the crock pot is not all about us. That pig gave his life and nourished my whole family today. Being in the crock pot is about being a blessing to God and others. And as we're in that crock pot and God's allowing that word, that seasoning to find itself into us, part of the reason is that we can be a blessing to the world. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. <laughs>